back to school this week. And something that was interesting to me was that we had two completely different experiences. Both our kids were really excited for school. One was going to a new school. He was starting grade one down the road and was really excited about it. Um, he's, a lot of his friends from Noah's Ark were going with him, and so he was looking forward to seeing them again. But there was an uncertainty around it, and that led to so many emotions in our household this week. It could be four seasons in one day. There's been fear, anxiety, tears, happiness. You name it, we've had it. And then our daughter was coming back to Noah's Ark. She knew what space she was going to be in. She already knew her teacher. Her class was remaining pretty much the same. And I just saw her confidence grow and grow as she knew this is a safe place. It's a happy place. Um, But I saw the uncertainty getting to my son. And I was thinking about in life, and especially as we do life with God, there are these two divergent experiences as we see people in the world living life differently. Sometimes the road that they are walking seems easier. Sometimes it would seem easier just to do things our own way. But other times I also hear people say, I don't know how we would do this journey without God. And I thought about it like the way my daughter was reacting is she knew the situation. She knew the goodness of the teachers and the staff here. My son is yet to see what Sweet Valley is going to be like and learn that he can trust those teachers too. So he's learning it. And we're confident as parents, but I saw that uncertainty coming out in him. And it's just a It's such a beautiful picture that there's a certainty as we walk with God and we see his faithfulness to us that this is the God that we get to do life with and what a privilege that is. And as we do life, he calls us to a life of obedience. And as we obey, um, in God's kingdom, obedience isn't a punishment. It's not this terrible discipline he calls us to. In fact, it's a privilege to do things God's way. Because firstly, he's calling us to do things that are in his character. He's a loving God who teaches us and calls us to love. So when we love in the way he has put it out, he's calling us to experience his character, his empowering. It's actually a very obedience. is actually a very intimate experience if you think about it. You're obeying creator of the universe and doing things his way. There's a lot of joy around it. There's a lot of blessing as we see an invitation for us to say, Christ, come and work in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So what a privilege it is. What a blessing. And not only that, but as we do it, we find that obedience opens up a door to greater intimacy. It, we, we become so much closer to God. So this is a good thing. It's not that we're calling each other to to fill in a star chart and and tick the boxes as we obey. And we're going to be talking about faithfulness today as an area of obedience um, and what God calls us to. But think about this, that creator of the universe calls us to things. Imagine if your kids obeyed you 100% in everything you were calling them to. Wouldn't they be perfect? In fact, they would be better than you because you are imperfect. And we can guarantee that as people, we are all imperfect. But we have a perfect God, a perfect role model who is calling us to a beautiful life. Psalm 18 verse 30 says this, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. And so we see this perfection and we can celebrate it. And as believers, we should be producing fruit. And that is the evidence of obedience. 
Um, if you've done a road trip these holidays around South Africa, you might have traveled through the provinces and seen different things growing in different areas. It's really beautiful even in one day to go from the Western Cape to the Karoo and just see what grows in these different soils according to what is planted. And this is an evidence, a beautiful evidence of what is happening in our lives. And so we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit, um, well, this particular one of faithfulness. But before I start speaking about faithfulness, I want to just point out something to us. um, That we often remember the first three three fruits of the Spirit. That's a tongue twister. Love, joy, peace. And you ask people, what are the fruits of the Spirit? And and everyone goes, love, joy, peace. And then they start mumbling because we know the first three really well. In fact, we know love super well. Everyone knows about love because this has almost become a religion in itself. It's something that we have to grapple with as Christians is what is the way that God calls us to love? In fact, something that's happening in the world today is that non-Christians are telling the church how we need to love. Your love needs to look this way towards me because everyone knows about love. God has called us to love. Love is an awesome thing. It is part of his character. He has created it. But we make the mistake of sometimes focusing on certain fruit and forgetting others. In our household, we have the easy peelers, the fruits that the kids just grab and eat because they're easy to eat. And those are the ones that always go first. Bananas, apples, the peaches disappear quickly. And then we're left with pineapples, pawpaws, mangoes, and kiwi fruit. And I've got to cut them because no one else wants to. So I find that with the fruit of the Spirit, they're these easy ones that everyone wants to grab. Oh, we all need to be joyful. Peace is yours. We need to love each other. And we forget what else God is calling us to in this big picture. And so faithfulness is one of those. And to remember that we cannot have love without faithfulness. They need each other. And I, I, the reason I was focusing on love is also that, that when we, sometimes as Christians, we've used this message of love to accept anything, to say anything goes, and to almost make us fade into the world and not be different. I can look just like you because we all love each other and we can all get on. The message of love that Jesus presents when he was on earth presented, the message of love in the gospel is quite a hard one. Because it does have conditions. John 14 verse um, 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commands. That is the foundation for love. You should not be letting those in the world exegete Bible verses for you and tell you how you should be doing it. You should be looking at Scripture and going, God, what does the love that I need to offer the world look like? And that becomes the standard and the basis for how we love each other. If you love me, keep my commands. That is the foundation of love. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live in you. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father um, and I too will love them and show myself, yes, uh, my, show myself to them. 
So there's definitely a calling to love. We can't get away from that. There's a calling to joy. There's a calling to peace. But God is also calling us to some other things. And that's where faithfulness comes in. If we aren't faithful in our love, we don't have love. If we're not faithful in our joy, we won't have joy. If we aren't faithful in peace. So do you see how this this fruit of faithfulness is such a wonderful one that God gives us? Because it holds them all together. It brings a consistency. If you look at the Old Testament, the, the, the actual word for faith, as it first appears, is emuna. And it's all, it gives a foundation for the word amen. And it's that so be it. It's a belief. A let it happen. This is it. A yes. And you see it in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11. If you know, uh, we call it the wall of faith, where it just talks about people of the Old Testament who displayed faith. And so it will say, by faith, and the first pen- person mentioned in the Bible of faith is Abel, who offers a sacrifice. And the amazing thing about his faith, he doesn't have a long history to work from because we're in the early days. He doesn't have the full Bible. But in faith, this man steps out, and we see incredible obedience as he offers a sacrifice. Then the first time that I could find for myself the word faithful being mentioned is actually in Genesis chapter 5. And that is where a man called Enoch, he walks with God and mysteriously seems to disappear. He was and then he was no more because God took him to be with him. And the Bible says this in Genesis about him. I'll just read from verse 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. So it seems to me like the first, we always say the first mention, the first time something's mentioned in the Bible, pay attention. It often gives us some good clues to what's happening. So pay attention to this beautiful, um, intimate, faithful dance that this man seems to do with his creator as they walk together in faithfulness and the beautiful fruit that it produces. And we even see it then. And then there's another significant picture that I want to mention, and that's in Exodus. And it's a picture where Moses, they're fighting the Amalekites, and he gets tired because when he raises his arms, they win the battle. And so there come some instructions for them to hold his arms up because they're growing tired. And what does he do? They put rocks under him and read this in um, verse 12 and 13. I'm, I'm just shortening these verses because of time. Um, so they went on each side so that his arms remain, so his hands remain steady. That is the word for faith. But isn't that a beautiful picture of a rock on each side? You know, he's not holding up his own arms. He's not holding up his own faith. God is holding it up for him. And that is a picture I want you to remember because this is not a work that we manufacture in our own strength. In fact, we need God, the rock, to hold our faith up. Because without him, we are nothing. And so I love that picture. It's almost like a tangible picture of what faith is. And then in Psalms, we see over and over again a celebration of this faithful God. God is establishing himself as faithful and true. Then in the New Testament, we move on and we speak about faith as um, when the people came to Jesus, they would come in faith. They knew that Jesus could heal them, and so they would reach out, and he said, your faith would heal you, would heal them. So their faithfulness was like a calling and something he commended them for. In 1 Corinthians, um, Paul says this, for this reason I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. 
which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So you see these people recommended, commended for their faithfulness. And then you see in the book of Revelation, as everything, the end times are unfolding, and you see two things. You see a faithful God, and you see people who have held the faith. And so we'll speak about that and look at that a little bit later. Um, but there are a few things that I want to challenge us on today as we look at this, this whole idea of faith and what it looks like in our own lives. And just a few points that I'm just going to go through fairly quickly, but The first thing is that every believer is called to a life of faith. The gifts of the Spirit, the Bible will say some are given this gift, some are given that gift. The fruit of the Spirit, it's all there for all of us. It's a calling for everyone, and it's something that we need to complete. If you're doing a marathon and running a race, and you bail at the first kilometer, you're not going to get the medal. The medal are for the finishers. The Bible speaks about our walk with God like a race. It's something we need to complete. And so every believer is called to be faithful. There's a difference between human faithfulness and a human attempt and spirit faithfulness. And the big differences are firstly the object of our faithfulness. You can see people around you being faithful to many things, faithful to work, to sport, to marriages. There are many good things, and I think it really does show evidence of God's grace on the world when people act in a faithful way. But when it is fueled by God, given by the Holy Spirit, as a fruit of the Spirit, we see the object of faithfulness. I'm faithful to a God who I cannot even see. It's easy to be faithful to a job when you get a paycheck every month. You see something for the fruit of your faithfulness. But God calls us to step out and be faithful to him, an unseen God. Sometimes it's the power of it that in, in our humanity, we will all fail. When things get too much, we will bail. Um, there's always comes a breaking point, but with God, all things are possible. With man, things are impossible. And then not just that, but we God calls us to a higher standard of faithfulness. The faithfulness he calls us to looks very different, not just because of the fuel, but also because of what I said, the object. He's going to call you to things that you might not necessarily be convinced about. I'm calling you to be faithful and love this person. The world doesn't need that sort of faithfulness. It's easy to be faithful when the object is something I really believe in. When the object becomes something that is hard that God is calling me to. When you see in Hebrews 11, it was calling people to places they hadn't been, cities they hadn't seen, and he's saying, just trust me. That's when we really see this in action. It's a high standard of faithfulness. We also see in the Bible that not every believer remains faithful. Some don't make it to the end, and that's why you see in some of the books how he pleads with them. To, to respond, to repent, to change. I'm sure if you've ever discipled someone or, or had a child or family member who's turned away, who had it and has actually released um, their faith and said they don't want, want any part of it, it is heartbreaking, but it is a reality because it's a choice. You can step out of faithful relationship. God is faithful, but that's a whole other thing of how he, he brings us back to himself. But not every re- believer chooses to stay there. A lack of faithfulness puts the relationship at risk. 
And we see this in human relationships, especially in marriage. You see what devastation, unfaithfulness can cause. But even in friendships, maybe you've been hurt by a relationship where someone, you've faithfully entrusted them with something, and they've taken that information, or they've done something, they've hurt you, they've let you down. And it causes an element of chaos in the relationship. It's the same in our relationship with God. When we choose to be unfaithful, we choose to open up a door of chaos into into our lives. And that was the problem with the Israelites. The Israelites kept on stepping up and saying, yes, we're going to obey. Yes, we're going to follow God. This is what he's called us to. The Ten Commandments come, and they literally reply and say, we will keep the covenant. We will obey. And what happens, they just round the corner, next few verses, they start disobeying again. And you see the chaos that comes from that. When it comes to faithfulness, we all experience barriers to faithfulness. Our culture is one of them. When we see things that that tug at our heartstrings, when we see people doing their own way and it looks like they're succeeding, Sometimes we look at our own personalities and we think, whoa, I'm probably one of the most unfaithful people. I don't stick to anything. We can see those as being barriers. Sometimes it's a focus that we have on ourselves, a commitment to ourselves, and so that becomes a barrier for being faithful to God. We also see that with God's help, faithfulness is possible. With man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And that's the beauty of this message. I've been going back and forth as I was preparing. Lord, how do I not make this legalistic? Because I'm not calling you to a program that you're going to follow and just all say, yes, we commit, because we see that didn't work. The Israelites did it. But we're going to be falling into the arms of a loving God and saying, Lord, you are faithful. We choose to trust you. And that is the response. We are also called to be faithful in the big things and the small. Sometimes we let things slide because we think, oh, well, this is just something small. It doesn't really matter. Faithfulness in the small things usually opens up the door to faithfulness in the big. Have you ever had a week like this? Probably not because you're probably all perfect with using your diaries. But you lose your diary or you don't write all your appointments in it. And the chaos that opens up and all of a sudden you go, a little thing. I'm going to take two minutes at the end of the day to write in my diary all the appointments. A little thing opens up the door to a beautiful week. And um, then the opposite, where you just you start your week and you've written it all in, and just the chaos you prevent through obedience in the small things. And so, not that using a diary is a spiritual experience, although for some it is. I think for Shelley it is. All well, I super organized, but for me it's a it's a discipline. But yeah, the small and the big, and that God calls us to be faithful in the small things and the seen and the unseen. Faithfulness is not a feeling. If it was up to us and we just had to feel it, it probably most of us wouldn't be faithful because we don't feel it all the time. In most relationships, the people you love the most will still push your buttons. They will still make being faithful to them hard, but that doesn't change. And that's why faithfulness, love, all of these aren't feelings. If it was just a nice feeling, none of us would stay there. Faithfulness also makes us feel secure. And that's why I think, you know, when we say all God's ways are good, 
they really are good and perfect because faithfulness can make us feel secure in insecure times. When things are unpredictable, think about during COVID when we were locked down in our homes and just the predictability of a service that might have come online or a friend that you committed to prayer with or just knowing that there were other friends out there when we didn't know what on earth was happening with the world. Is it the end of the world? How's this all going to end? But we know who God is and that's the beauty of faithfulness. A lack of faithfulness causes chaos. It causes chaos in the world. If you think about it, when countries are breaching contracts and policies, the chaos it can cause in a country. And also, it causes chaos on the home front. If we do something and we're unfaithful, we just see our whole house go out of equilibrium. Mine is the toothbrush. And that is where I have an issue and I'm faithful to my toothbrush. I'm unequally yoked to the rest of my family because they don't hold the same faithfulness to toothbrushes. And I saw this in the holiday. It was fresh in my mind as I was preparing. But we had forgotten toothbrushes at home. My in-laws were coming to join us because we were going away. So I messaged them and like, quickly bring those toothbrushes. Now, I had quite a few of them out um, for another reason, which is quite interesting. The Cohen kids came to sleep at our house once in an emergency, and he had to go to hospital the next day. And they came to me, and they said to me, um, what toothbrushes are on offer? Now, I don't know about you, but that's not really a question you ask about toothbrushes, but clearly you do it in the Cohen household. Not really, but I know they've got their own. They, They were very clear about that, but they had forgotten them. So I was like, don't worry, I'd bought a whole lot on special, well, not a whole lot, but I had a little stash, so I gave them each one, and then I thought, oh, you know, when they leave, I'll disinfect them, leave them in the cupboard, and, you know, next person, hopefully the germs wouldn't have grown on them, um, next person can use them. So anyway, I send a message to my in-laws, please bring the toothbrushes, and they come with all the wrong toothbrushes. So already the family doesn't know which one's which, and we're away on holiday, so I can't go and sort it out. And there I just see a process of musical toothbrushes, and they're very sneaky about it. And so I just saw it going around, and it didn't affect me. And the one day I headed a mine away. I was like, I don't care what happens. As long as they've got their teeth clean, John and the kids are fine. And so, but then the one morning, I went to feel my toothbrush, because I would do that as a safety. I'd forgotten it in the bathroom, and it was wet. I knew someone else had used my toothbrush that I was faithful to. And then the punishment started. Then it wasn't funny anymore. Um, But can you see that when we change faithfulness, when we change allegiance to something that should be intimate and beautiful, like our toothbrush, the chaos it can cause, and it's the same, that when we mess with God's plan, we tip things out of order and it creates chaos. So some people come months later and go, I don't understand. Why do I feel this way? Why is my life such a mess? And then we go, well, let's unpack it. I've seen it in my own life. You see the little compromises, the unfaithfulness, and then you go, well, now I know how I got there. It makes perfect sense as we look back. A lack of faithfulness can also cause deep hurt in our lives because we see we can grieve God, we can grieve others, and we can actually seriously damage ourselves. Sometimes earthly faithfulness can also be a barrier to godly faithfulness. And this is important because you might think, well, my spouse is super faithful. So Jono, if I look at his temperament, when he cleans the house, he cleans the kitchen, he cleans it beautiful, you can see the evidence of his work. When I clean the house, I start and then I go here, then I notice that cupboard's dirty, I empty that. And so I can clean for a whole day and you see nothing. But actually, if you had to open the cupboard door, it would be fairly clean. It's totally unsystematic. I'm not faithful in my approach to a lot of things in life like he is, if it's going by human, systematic, faithfully doing things. 
But sometimes the most faithful people in the world, I'm not saying this about John, I'm saying this about all of us, you can be faithful to something on an earthly level and it can be the biggest hindrance to the faithfulness that God is calling you to. I'm completely faithful and committed to the sport I do, to my friends, to whatever it is, to my house, to building a home. We can be so committed and so focused that we forget what God is calling us to and that can be the barrier because we've got too many things that we are faithful to and only 24 hours. We can also have the barrier of just wasting time. And so sometimes faithfulness to a cell phone that we don't even realize, these addictions that we don't realize, and you go, I have no time to. And then all of a sudden you get the report on your phone that shows you you've had screen time for so many hours. So that faithfulness can be a stumbling block to opening the door to godly faithfulness. Faithfulness will be tested in times of persecution. And we told in the Bible and shown how your faithfulness will become even more pure if you stand the test. In, in Revelation 17 verse 14, it says, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. That is who's going to be with him. He's called, He's chosen and he's faithful followers. That is how it is all going to end. We also told that in the end times, people will become more and more unfaithful. As there's more spectrum for sin, there's more choice, there's more variety. The door is opening up to just pick what you want to do and be faithful to that. And we told and we can know that this is going to happen. 1 Timothy 3 But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, So that indicates that it's people who actually probably think they're saved, who are doing church like all of us are. We have some version of it, but denying its power because we've said yes to all those other things. We've opened the door and we've let go of faithfulness to God. And so as I close, I really want to challenge you on faithfulness in two specific areas. God calls us to a lot of faithfulness. And we don't need to freak out because it's about who we are and our character. It's not, as I said, about completing certain tasks in a day. But the thing is, it's quite easy to be focused and faithful on the things that we're required to do. You're required to look after your kids. That's a good thing. We need to be faithful to that. You're required to take them to school. You're going to get phoned if you don't take them to school for a week or two. You need to show up at work. So it's quite easy to be faithful in that, even if it's a spiritual thing. But I want to challenge you on the unseen and the things that you have choices with. And that is your relationship with God and then also your commitment to the local church. And the funny thing is you're like probably thinking, well, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to say it. And that's the reason I didn't want to say it because it's so obvious. But actually this is our church and our community And we as the priesthood of all believers are called to be faithful to a body of people, to be accountable, to do church. It was almost a no-brainer in the early church. They met together because it was a beautiful thing. It was a good thing. 
And so my challenge to you is what does your faithfulness look like in those two areas? Are you being faithful to God in the season of your life? And you say, well, yes, I'm here. I love him. I haven't deserted the faith. Are you being faithful to what God is saying? And if he hasn't said anything to you, you probably need to go back and, and go back to God's word and being faithful in God's word, being faithful in prayer. Because those are the things that God requires. He can't speak to us if we're not opening ourselves up to this faithful relationship. So being faithful to God. But then also being faithful to the church, that there's something spiritual that does happen here as we, as we meet with believers. Believers who are completely different to us. Chances are you might have had someone who worships God completely different to you, sitting next to you, who says things differently, who looks differently. You know, in life it's easy with your Christian community, your people, your tribe, your family. It's usually people you love. But it's in this community that God really uses us to sharpen each other to encourage each other, to worship together. There's something beautiful about the consistency. It's also a model for your family. When you say no to other things, and we have to do this every Sunday before summer, not that the kids ask, but it's beautiful weather outside. Beach time on a Sunday morning seems very appealing. There's so many things that compete for our attention. But I've realized that when we say yes to church and no to other things, or yes, we're going to go, but after church, I'm teaching my kids something very spiritual about God and priorities. It's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Saying yes to church means that we're modeling faith to the next generation. When the kids see you come out, they're seeing a bunch of believers who know God, who love God. It's making sure that the gospel goes forward into the future. There's something spiritual about what we do here together. It's not perfect. It's not whatever, but it's what God really calls us to do. And so just to end, as we close off, I I really was trying to figure out, well, how do I make this not legalistic? You must do whatever. I'm calling you to attend church, be part of a community, whatever God is calling you. Maybe it's volunteering, doing something. I'm calling you to be faithful to God. How does that look without being legalistic? And I, I was just trying to figure it out. And this morning, as I was just going over my notes, Um, My son came to sit with me. It was really early, and he asked me what I was doing. So I said, I'm just going over my notes. I'm speaking today. And so um, he asked on what? And so I said, faithfulness. And then I asked him if he knew what it was. And as I asked him, he just got up, and I was like, oh, I was trying to engage. I always get excited when they want to ask questions about God, and he's walking away. And he just took a few steps forward, and then he fell back onto the couch. And he said, that's faithfulness. I trusted that the couch was going to catch me. Now, funnily enough, he had learned that at church because I haven't taught him that. So I'm like, okay, he learned that from our leaders somewhere along the line. And then I thought about it, and I thought, that is it. We all know that, well, you might not know it, but we might, the faithful or trustful. It's that falling and believing someone will catch you. The problem is we all have a definition of it. We understand what faith is. But how regularly are you falling into God's arms? If you are faithful, it should be a daily occurrence. It should be an hourly occurrence. Lord, this is happening. I don't know what to do, but I want to be faithful. I fall into your arms. Lord, I need to make this decision. What would you want me to do? I fall into your arms. Lord, I'm about in this situation. I fall into your arms. Lord, creation is awesome. It's so beautiful. I fall into your arms. It's constantly going back and falling into the Father's arms because he's the source of faith. He's the example of faith. He's the giver of faith. He's the sustainer of faith. We cannot do faithfulness on our own. If it was up to us, we'd fail horribly. But he's calling us and he's saying, I'm the arms. 
fall into my father's arms. So we're going to be closing, and I just thought it would actually be beautiful if, if Janet, could we sing the song that we sang just before, because the words are so beautiful as a faith response. It is 20 past 11. If you've got little kids in Sunday school for the first time, you're welcome to leave um, as I read this and pray. Um, otherwise, if you feel like you want ministry, if you need any prayer ministry, we are going to be up here, down here after the service. Just find someone to pray with. Um, but I want to read these words to you. Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Let love and faithfulness never leave you, and that is our prayer. So, Lord, as we close, we just want faithfulness to be a part of our lives. We see how, as people, we, are, we can be so unfaithful, and our hearts can wonder. Lord, we see things beyond our, with our eyes that look so appealing, um, and ways of life that could seem so appealing. But, Lord, your ways are good. Thank you that you bring order into chaos, that you bring peace um, into anxiety, that you bring um, a beauty as we choose to do things your way. So, Lord, we want to be a community that, that really does show fruit. And we know and thank you that it's a work of the Spirit and not of our own. So we can't be proud about it when we're doing well. Lord, we just focus on you and we just say more, Lord. And then for those who are are needing strength and feeling weak, may they fall into the arms of a loving father, a good, good father whose ways are higher than ours, that sees the beginning from the end. And just like Moses with his, his arms on the rocks being held up in that stability, we thank you that you bring that beautiful stability, that you are the rock that we put our faithfulness on, and we cannot do it any other way. So we invite you, Lord, speak to us. In the areas where we've been unfaithful, forgive us, Lord. And Lord, just show us the way you're calling us. Amen.